Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, who wants to be a millionaire? We're not going to play the game today, and I don't have that kind of money to give you. Uh, But I I do have some, um, well, depending on how old you are, I have some good news for you. If you are 20 years old here today, how many of you are 20 or under? Raise your hands, honest, come on. Well, I'm confused now, Rich. (laughs) Several of you are. Um, if you want to have a million dollars and you just invest your money in the stock market, an index fund, which is just what the average of the stock market over the years is, um, you start 20 and you want to have a million dollars by the time you're 65, all you have to do is put away $95 a month. That's less than $25 a week out of a paycheck. That's it. And that's for all those years. That's all you got to do. A million dollars. Now, If you wait 10 years until you are 30, now you're looking at having to put in like $275 a month. That's, you know, by the time you're 30, maybe you're making better money and it seems so bad. Okay, so you do that. Wait another 10 years. Now you're 40 and you think, I'd like to have this million by the time I'm 65. You gotta save over $750 a month. And it just goes up crazy from there. So the point is, is we can ask all of you, when should you have started saving? Yeah, when you were young, right? Because there is this idea of of the the compound interest and the building of the dividends and and all the, the value that comes. And it's much easier when you start younger. Not impossible when you get older, just a bigger challenge. Okay, so what does that have to do with Daniel (laughs) and the highlight reel series we're in? Um, You know, looking at these stories that are so well known. Uh, Today we're going to look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But I want to say to you is this this idea of what we're talking about when we talk about the investing, that, that principle shows up in this story, not with respect to money, but with respect to life. And uh, so we'll see that before we're done. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, that's page 1027 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. And and if you don't have a Bible with you today, we really encourage you to to get one of those from under the chair there and follow along. It'll be a a lot easier for you. Um, Daniel chapter 6. Page 1,027. Uh, Daniel has seen a lot of stuff by the time we get to this story. Uh, we know the story, the very first one we looked at in, in Daniel chapter 1, when, when he had to take a stand of faith and, and uh, step out and trust God. And it potentially have, it could have lost his life, certainly have lost all that he had uh, worked for. Uh, and God delivered him. God showed himself strong in his life. Uh, then we saw last week Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, right? Ended up in the fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship the false god that the king wanted them to. We saw uh, them delivered from that. I'm sure Daniel knew about that. Um, God uses Daniel, um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who I've talked to you about, kind of a somewhat crazy man. Well, God actually um, got through to Nebuchadnezzar. 
And, but Nebuchadnezzar became proud and God judged him. And Daniel saw God's judgment on King Nebuchadnezzar. For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar thought he was a wild animal and lived like a wild animal, okay? And because he's the king, it was strange things of societies, they let him be the king and they still took care of him. But um, his senses came back to him and he praises God. Um, and so Daniel has seen this. And, and right before we get to this chapter, how many of you have ever heard the saying, the handwriting's on the wall, right? Well, that's from chapter five in this story. Uh, one of the kings that had come after Nebuchadnezzar, um, just really kind of blasphemed God and, and was throwing a party and taking the stuff that was from God's temple and using it to party with and all this. And all of a sudden a hand shows up in his big party and writes on the wall. And he's trying to figure, nobody can figure out what it means. All of his wise men can't figure out what it means. And someone says, well, I heard about this Daniel guy. He could probably figure it out. Sure enough, comes in and basically tells him, look, your, your time's up. <laughs> uh, God is judging you and that very night the enemy came and took over the kingdom and uh, uh, deposed that king, probably had him killed, but, but Daniel is made a ruler, okay? And that's where we pick up here in Daniel chapter six. Daniel at this point is in his early 80s, okay? So when, when he faces down the lion's den, he's in his early 80s, okay? So uh, I don't think, we have anybody here in your 80s. Anybody here over 80 today? And you'll admit it? No? Oh, you are? We do. All right. So, you want to go to the lion's den? No, I don't either. <laughs> I'm 62 and I don't want to go. All right. So, but he's in his 80s. Don't you feel like you get to a point where you say, God, can't this stop? <laughs> Haven't I earned something different here? But let's read this story. Chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius... This is the new ruler of the kingdom of Babylon here. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Satraps is just a Persian term for uh, the, the lower rulers. So he had 120 over the kingdom. And over these, three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So this excellent spirit, it's not here, this is not a specific reference to the Holy Spirit, but I can't help but think that it is the result of God's spirit at work in Daniel's life over many, many years. He knew God, he trusted God, his character was godly, his approach to life had the right priorities like we've talked about in the last couple weeks, um, and it, it, it made a difference in his life. Have you ever known anybody like this, known a Christian like this, you would just say, yeah, that's a good way to describe them. They just have a, an excellent spirit about them. You know, your inter, interactions with them, you can just tell that God is, as a, a man once told me years ago, describing someone like this, he said, that guy reeks of God. <laughs> Putting those two words together, it's kind of an interesting combination, but I got the idea. All right, verse number four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. 
So these guys wanted to do the, uh, what we would call a political hit job. Have you ever seen any of those? In the news, right, they decide to get somebody and they find something somewhere, right? And it might not be that big a deal, but they're able to twist it and make it look like a big deal. So these guys are going after Daniel. They don't like Daniel. Daniel is not actually Persian. You remember, he was uh, Jewish from Israel. Uh, and he's probably been a thorn in their side for like 60 years. <laughs> and they're going to get him. One way or another, they're going to get him. But they can't find anything. You know, I've thought about that. You know, if... if, if if someone wanted to get me, and I go back and I think about when I was a teenager, before I came to Christ, and the early years after I came to Christ, they could find something. That'd be true in your life. There's nothing terrible. There's no bodies hidden anywhere. <laughs> nothing like that. Normal stuff, but stuff that they could, you know, you know how that goes. But they can't find anything on Daniel. What kind of character is this? This is awesome character. Verse five. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. His faith. How he lives his life as a believer in God. And so just a, a thought as we go along here. Man, let this be a challenge to you. Live your life so the only thing you can be rightly accused of is being faithful to the Lord. That's a thought, isn't it? Think about that in your life, how you live your life day in and day out, that you live faithfully, you do what you're supposed to do, you do it with the proper attitudes. Uh, we're not talking about being perfect, but we're talking about being consistently faithful and, and living the way God has told us to live. And so that when someone goes to find something that they can accuse you of, the only thing they can accuse you of is being a good Christian. That's something to aspire to, isn't it? Let's let that challenge our hearts today. Think about how we live. All right, let's continue. Verse uh, six. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. That was just how you greeted the king. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, they're lying to him, aren't they? Lion, ha, <laughs> den of lions, lion. They're lying to him. Because is it true that all the governors of the kingdom support this? Who's missing here? Daniel's not here. So they're lying. They're, they're, they're on this hit job. They're going to get Daniel one way or another. And they do two things. They appeal to this king on two bases. One is his vanity. And the other is a more pragmatic idea. See, he's new to the kingdom, right? The new people have come in, and so they're trying to establish his authority. We want to establish your authority. Nobody can, you know, talk to any other god or petition. Only you. You are the top guy. And so we will settle this in the kingdom that you have the final authority here. And by the way, king, you're pretty special. Okay, so they are lying to him and appealing to his vanity as well as some other pragmatic things. Verse 8. Now, O king, 
establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. All right, so what had happened is these two kingdoms had ended up coming together and being combined, the Media, uh, Median uh, uh, kingdom and the Persian kingdom, so the law of the Medes and the Persians. And uh, it was just an understanding that when the law was made, it could not be overturned. Now, I don't know if you remember the story in the book of Esther. You remember where a decree is signed that all the Jews are going to be killed on this certain date throughout the kingdom? And when, when um, the, uh, the king found out about this and understood this and wanted to overturn it, he couldn't change the law. So he made a new law that the Jews could go on the offensive and, and defend themselves. That sounds offense and defend, but in other words, they could go get them the people who were gonna get them. So we had to make another law. Couldn't change that law, we had to make another law to try to fix it, all right? So these guys are playing this governor. They're playing Darius, aren't they? Come on, the law of the Medes and Persians, sign that thing. Because they knew that once he signed it, he could not go back on it. And they knew if he signed it, that they had Daniel. They had it, all right? So what happens? Verse nine, therefore King Darius signed the written decree. I think he probably felt pretty good about it, but it won't be long before he wishes he had never done it. So let's read on. Back Before we do that, let's go back and look again. Um, verse three, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king, Darius, gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. What's his opinion of Daniel? It's a high opinion, isn't it? Okay, so he signs the decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the warning was signed, he went home. And then in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. Now, wait a minute. And prayed and gave, isn't that illegal now? Yeah, it is. But there's a higher authority in our lives, isn't there? Do you remember in the apostles when they are being told by the authorities, you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus, you must stop what they say? Well, here's the deal. We, if we have to choose between obeying God and man, we must obey God, right? And that's what we see with Daniel here. He's, he's obeying God. Doesn't matter what decree's been written. He is obeying God. So he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. So when did this start? Back probably in chapter one, right? He's probably already doing that when we, we read that story about him having to say no to the to king and, and, and appealing to them for an opportunity to trust God and to, to live by God's word. And so, how many years has Daniel been doing this? Maybe over 60 years. It was his custom for over 60 years. Now, how's that for a habit? <laughs> Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody have any habits you'd like to break today? The longer you've had the habit, the harder it is to break, isn't it? Because it just comes natural to you. And so we see Daniel doing that. Verse 11, 
Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard to, for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Um, so as we look at Daniel's life and Daniel's character, we know Daniel's not perfect. How do we know that? Because he's what? Human, that's right. But he was faithful and he grew and he was consistent and developed good character and trusted God and God worked and used him in his life. Well, guess what the enemy does? When you do well, in your relationship with God and seeking to live for be assured that the enemy will seek to use your faithfulness against you. He will. It's coming. Now, I know I've said this before, but we think, hey, I follow Christ when I get my life all in order and I start living everything according to God's word, that my life is going to be better. Is that a true statement? My life will be better. Depends how you define better, but yeah, that's basically a true statement. I will then not have any of these problems anymore. True or false? False. You live in a sin-cursed world. You live in a world where there's a spiritual battle, the Satan and, and those who serve him versus God. And by the way, God is the victor. Make no mistake about that. But there is a battle going on. There is an uprising, a spiritual uprising. Um, and when you, say, when you surrender to the Lord, when you surrender to the Lord and you begin really genuinely growing to be like the Lord and your life then starts to go out and to reach others for the Lord, be assured that the enemy will come after you. And hopefully he can't find anything to accuse you of except your faith. And if that's all he can find to accuse you of, guess what he's gonna use? Your faith. He's going to try to use it against you. Have you ever uh, heard or seen or known of anybody, I, I, I get this, this thought that, that you look at someone who just seems so good, so positive, and, and people start to think what? Uh, nobody could be that good. Nobody could do that. And the fact that they are so good makes people suspicious. We live in a sin-cursed world, don't we? Well, guess what? As your life conforms more and more to the way the Lord wants you to be and you, you begin to act in your relationships more and more the way a Christian ought to act and at work, you don't get involved with the stuff that's, that's you know, uh, undermining, you, you stay out of that, you begin to change and, and you live differently and you respond differently, people can start to suspect you. It ought to be a good thing, right? How about your integrity? If you, be, if you develop this reputation for integrity, uh, that ought to be celebrated, but instead it will be doubted. It will be attacked. See, because there is a spiritual battle going on. And so um, we saw a verse, I looked at it last week, I think, or the week before, that the good news is greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? God is infinitely greater than Satan, but just know it's common. When you begin to be, live openly Christian, at some point, the enemy will use that against you. And I want you to know that ahead of time because I don't want you to be discouraged. Because what does the enemy want to do? He wants to discourage you. 
He wants you to step back from living that way. One of the, uh, uh, the things that we're looking at in our life groups, this Bible study, we're looking at Christianity and the parts of the world where there's persecution. And uh, this a true story of this, this guy who wasn't really even a pastor, just, but he was in his community and sharing the word in and, 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 and the old Soviet Union. And they took him and, and put him in jail. He was in jail for 17 years. But during this time, they brought in a woman who was a criminal, but they made her, they, they got the clothing, I think, from his wife and made him think that this was his wife that they brought into the prison. And they tortured her and tortured her for three days and killed this woman. But of course, drug her past his cell and then they drug her back past his cell. And this man who had been in there for years broke. And he said, it's just too much. I can't do this anymore. I, and all they wanted to do was sign a paper saying he did it. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't believe. And he just said, I'll do you, whatever you want. I'll do it. He's broken. The enemy is doing what? Using his faith against him. Using his, he, that's what the enemy wanted him to do is to break. They brought in the papers the next morning, but this man had been changed because overnight the Holy Spirit worked in life. And he says, the Holy Spirit last night enabled me. I heard my wife and my children and my friends praying for me. I heard their voices. And he knew, see, God had done a miracle. He knew that this was not his wife who had been dragged by. And he stood up. And, and by the way, this story, the whole prison was affected. God did amazing things there through the persecution. But what I want to say is that God will, uh, Satan will work just like it in your life to try to get you to that point where you say, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Can't you see someone who's in their 80s like Daniel? <laughs> After all I've been through, I can't do this again. That's where Satan wants to get you, okay? You don't have to get there. And we're gonna give you some ideas today about how not to get there. All right, where was I here? All right, verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words that Daniel had been the target of this, was greatly displeased with who? You guys out there today? With who? Himself, that's right, because he realized he had been duped. He's greatly displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He is looking for a loophole. How can I pull back on this? How can I get Daniel out of this? How can I? And so he's trying his best to do that. Verse 15, then these men approached the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Okay? So there's no way to get out of it. So let's read on. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions, but the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And what's not written here, but was in his mind, was, I hope. And we know that because of how he responds. Before we continue reading here, what did this man, this king, know about Daniel already? He knew about Daniel's God, didn't he? How do you know about Daniel's God? Because of the way Daniel lived. Because of the way Daniel lived. He lived it. He was open about it. He had to have been open about it. Or the king wouldn't know about it. All right? So 
The king knows about it. And we're gonna see, see more of this as we read through this. But understand this, that your faithfulness to the Lord in every circumstance of life will enable people to see the Lord in your life. You know, we go through all kinds of circumstances. In our life, does our life go up and down, right? Ups, highs, and lows, and all these problems. It says you're faithful when you're on the high uh, that uh, uh, people will see the Lord in your life. It's your faithfulness when you're in the low spots of life that people will see the Lord in your faith. They will see him. And that's what you want. You want this to be so real and so much a part of your life that people will see it. And we see that this king had seen it and more people are gonna get to see it because of Daniel's faithfulness here. So let's, let's continue. Verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Right? Is Daniel there? Verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. So how do you think the king acted? How do you respond? <sighs> right? <sighs> and I just immediately, what do you think the king thought of this, of Daniel's God now? <laughs> okay, Daniel, you told me he was big. That's why I hoped. But he really is, right? And we're going to see how he responds to this. Verse 22, Daniel continues. He says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. And so uh, I get the picture. You know, was there a literal angel that Daniel saw? Maybe so. Maybe he walks around and pets the lions, you know, and... Eh, See that guy over there? He tastes lousy. You don't want to eat him. <laughs> or however it worked, we don't know, but the point is, is God prevented the lions from killing Daniel. Verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury was found on him because he believed in his God. And, and we talked about this. That is the same thing for you. When you trust God and you live for God and he works in your life, God will always honor your faithfulness. And even if he lets uh, bad things happen in your life, bad things, he's using them for good, for now and eternity. And so no evil can touch you that will actually do you evil. Okay? Because God will always honor your faithfulness. Let's keep reading. Now understand this, D Darius, is he a Christian man? It's kind of a trick question because there weren't any Christians yet. <laughs> Was he a, a believer and follower of the one true God? Not yet. He's still a pagan and he still approaches his kingly duties as that. Look what happens here in verse 24. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. 
them, their children, and their wives. How horrific is that? Is that a good and godly thing to do? Is it? Easy answer. Is it? No, it's not. I want you to know that in the law of God, they said that you cannot punish a child or a spouse or somebody for someone else's crime. That's not God's way. Darius was not a follower of God at this point. He does what kings did. Terrible thing. But he says, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Now listen to this. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? The whole kingdom hears about this God because of Daniel's faithfulness. That's big, isn't it? Okay, we wanna live that same way. God honors that faithfulness, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, the next king who follows. Daniel continues in his 80s to serve in this capacity. And then he ends up writing the rest of the book of the Daniel with some amazing prophecies in it and, and things. So God just used Daniel so tremendously. But I want you to see something here. And this is what I want you to really to go away with today. How can you, when you hit your 80s, be able to deal with something like this? I mean, Bob Hastings, who passed away this week, what a, what a wonderful man. Loved God, uh, was ready to go. But I tell you, Bob wasn't wanting to deal with any more stuff here. <laughs> he was ready to go, okay? And, and so it'd be natural, you're in your 80s, why do I want... Do I want to do this again? How could he do this? How could Daniel have had the strength to do this? Well, we go back to verse 10. Here's how. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And here it is. Here is the key. As was his custom since early days. as was his custom since early days. Go ahead and go with that, to that, pass that next point if you would, Mitchell. Okay. So here's what I want you to get. You prepare for tomorrow's trials by living faithfully today. When did Daniel prepare for this trial of being thrown into the lion's den? When did he prepare for it? 60 plus years ago. That's when he prepared it. One day when he prayed to the Lord three times a day. And he prepared for it 50 years earlier when he had prayed three times a day and 40 years earlier and 30 and 20, right? And last week, the week before, he responded to God the way he had learned to respond to him and he started early. And see, this is where I was, when I started that illustration today about investing your money early, Right? 
The earlier you invest that money, the longer it has to grow and become something significant. Same in your life. When you make choices when you are young to uh, live for the Lord and develop godly habits, and then that grows and grows to where it becomes a significant thing in your life, to one day, and it won't be Daniel in Lion's Den, but it'll be you in whatever den, and you'll be able to do it because all you gotta do is what you did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Now, so for those of you who are 20 and under, I just gave you great news, right? What about those of us who are got a few more years on us? Well, hang in there. Let's talk about some things. So it was Daniel's past, wasn't it, that held the key to what was going to happen to him 60 years down the road. It was his past that prepared him for the future. Okay? So let's just talk about our past a little bit, because have you ever noticed that your past oftentimes feels like it works against you and not for you? We're talking about getting your past to work for you, not against you, but sometimes our past works against us and not for us. So let's, let's just kind of do some thinking about our past here for a minute. A healthy view of the past in your life. All right, so let this settle in here. The past is the past. You cannot change it in any way. Have you ever wanted to change the past? Yes. How, how does that work for you? The past is the past. You cannot change it in any way. Whatever is in the past, is, is, it happened. All right. Now this one, I want you to hear, and you're going to say it first. I don't know about this. The past is the past. It has zero control over your life today. There's, the past is the past. It's gone. If you can't get to it, guess what? It can't get to you. Now I know. I, I hope you have some reservations in your mind at the moment saying, wait a minute. Okay? But this is a true statement. The past is the past. It has zero control over your life today. Now, listen to this. What you believe today, what you believe today about the past, and the decisions you make today because of what you believe about the past, those decisions will always control you. Now, does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? In other words, what happened in the past, I can't go back and change it. It can't come for touch me. But... Today, I believe things about that. I believe things because of that. And because I believe those things today, it does what? Sometimes it eats my lunch, right? Beats me up. And so, obviously, we need to learn to think biblically about the past and, and see it from God's perspective, and that can then begin enables us to believe the right things today and make the right choices today. By the way, this is why in counseling, when we find someone who's really stuck, and, and they can't figure out, why am I struggling with this? And I don't know, because I know this, but da-da-da-da-da. Oftentimes, you go back in your past, and you find out we identify things that you have some wrong beliefs about God. You have wrong beliefs about yourself. You have wrong beliefs about the way life works. And you keep making really bad decisions today. One more statement here. It's much easier to live godly today if you're building on a godly past. Right? It's easier today. That's what we see with Daniel. It doesn't seem to me, the way the text speaks, that Daniel had a hard time making his decision about this. Was it hard for him? No, because he just did how he had lived. He had a godly past. So, so let's think about what this 
this means in our lives then. Um, here's the first thing. How you live yesterday, how you live yesterday laid the groundwork you'll build your life on tomorrow. Let me back up. How you lived yesterday laid the groundwork for the, the way you're living your life today. True? That's the foundation from which you began living today. All right. Second, how you live today becomes the groundwork that you'll build your life on tomorrow. How important is today? It's huge. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. Today is the day to prepare a godly past that will help you live a godly life in the future. Today is the day. If you're 20 years old, yeah, you've got a long time. Great. But you know what? If you're 62 years old, it's harder. Just like I said with the investing money, it's harder, but you can do it. I can make changes today in my life that when tomorrow comes will benefit me, will make it easier for me to live for the Lord tomorrow. The choices I make today, the choices that you make today, and, and this is true, like I said, you know, if, if, if those of us who are older and we say, man, we don't have me, we've got an awfully lot of past and not a whole lot of future, I still want you to notice that you can make choices today that will be lay a, a godly foundation for what you will face tomorrow. And if you do it another day, and you do it one more day, and it will build, and it will grow. We need to be faithful when? Do you realize that you don't have tomorrow? You don't have yesterday. We already said all that. It's gone, right? So wait a minute. I still got tomorrow, I think. Well, you don't really because when you wake up tomorrow, it won't be tomorrow. What will it be? Today. That's not just a play on words, is it? That means the only time I ever have to make a change and lay a godly groundwork for my life is when? Today. That's right. So what do you need to do today? You know, I, I have too many things in my life. I have, I have a lot of good things that, that thankfully, I became a believer when I was 19 years old and, and I had a lot of good teaching and people in my life helped me and I laid a lot of groundwork and godly stuff. But I also have things in my life today that I'm like, oh man, I still struggle with this. Why? Because never when it was called today did I finally address it the way it needed to be addressed. And um, I don't want you to be discouraged here today. You can make a choice today that will change everything forever. You can do that for good or bad. I encourage you to do it for good. Today is the day. What do you need to do? I need to, for, for, well, for me, I, I want to pray more than I ever have. I, I want to be like Daniel, that when something happens in life, my first response is what? To pray. And I do that lots of times, but there's times when I don't. Am I the only one? I said, oh, I'm responding and dealing. I said, well, I should have prayed. I just stopped in just a moment. I said, okay, God. So today is the day I got to work on that. 
Oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm kind of busy. I got Christmas program going on and memorial service. I'm going to get to that. I'll get to that next week. Promise, all I ever have is today. Are you guys tracking with that? So any of those things in your life, you think, what do I want to be like? What do I want my life to be like? Do I want my life to be like Daniel, who that if someone wants to find something to accuse me of, yeah, maybe they can find something way in my past, but now all they can find is, is my faith. That's all they can accuse me of. Praise the Lord. And I want it to be that if, if trouble comes in my life and, and, and Satan brings a challenge against me, I want to be able to respond in a way that, that I just trust God and go forward in it and so that people will see and know the Lord. And I, I want to be like that. Okay, then what do you need to do today? Okay? Whether it's praying whether it's something in your relationships, your marriage, your parents, your kids, your brothers, sisters, friends, what is it in, in your money, what needs to happen in there, uh, in your, these things you're witnessing as we keep carry out the Great Commission, what is it needs to happen? I mean, yeah, you, you and I could sit down and talk, but I guarantee you, if, if you just open yourself up to the Lord right now, the Holy Spirit will go, hey, I got a couple things for you. All right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, right? Let's bow our heads here. Close our eyes. Today's the day to respond and do whatever it is you need to do so that when the time comes, you can just do what you've already been doing. Just open your heart. What is it from the Lord? Some, one thing, two things. Three, whatever, just... Something you can make a decision between you and God here today. Say, okay, God, I intend to work on that today. I need your help. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Daniel's awesome example. Father, protect us from the misconception that we think, oh, Daniel was a special person and we could never be like that. Help us to see, Father, we can be exactly like that if just today, this very day, we make some decisions, surrender to you, maybe make some commitments, and then trust in you to help us to live those things out today. Help us, Father, to see that uh, this will pay huge dividends in the future in our ability to honor you also, Father, protect us from the lie that says, ah, oh, I messed up this day. Well, what am I going to do about it today? Father, help us to see that it just each day we can choose again and choose again and choose again to honor you with our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so what do you need to do today as you leave here? All right? What do you need to do? Is there someone that you need to invite today to hear the gospel? I mean, whatever. Um, maybe you hadn't thought about it. Maybe you say, you know what? I, I would like to, to help take cookies to the neighbors today so they can hear the gospel. Whatever. I'll stop now. Thank you, guys. It's been great to have you, and your attentiveness is always a, a blessing. Go live it. <laughs>